The Ringer's music critic Rob Harvilla curates and explores 60 iconic songs from the 90s that define the decade. Rob is joined by a variety of guests to break it all down as they turn back the clock. Check out 60 songs that explain the 90s exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about Castlevania. (laughs) (laughs) Castlevania on Netflix. Uh, (laughs) That was good. That was a good musical rendition. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've worked for several seconds on it. I know we haven't done like a, a cold open bit in a long time in this pod. That's very true. We haven't. We should just let you do the extended musical intro for Castlevania. You strike me as a man who has not done much vocal work in his life. <laughs> uh, this is after weeks, frankly, of of dunking on various shows and cultural products. We arrive at Castlevania, which I want to say- An oasis imagined in the desert. Yeah, but like, okay, just to set things on the table in the beginning for listeners, four seasons, Castlevania, Netflix, Netflix put out final season of Castlevania. And this is a show, and we should say it's animated. So Netflix is animated, Castlevania adapting very loosely- you know, the general vibe and premise of the old Castlevania games, right? And you and I like this show. And I don't know about you, but I've played like a couple of hours of one Castlevania game. I've played no Castlevania games. And we're actually going to get into this sort of, I feel like, faithfulness question that maybe some people who aren't us will bring to this kind of show. But we like this show. Like we both, we're positive. It's a good a, show. Like we're 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 pretty positive on this show. This this show is a surprising success because it's not just oh we like this and we want to talk. I feel like in general, I mean, in yeah, terms sh- of like if you're just looking at the, I mean, like if we're just talking about the animation, like going off of how detailed and exp- and like I know I use the word a lot but like expensive the animation looks in the first like with the cape flowing in the first couple of minutes of like uh, season four also the stills of people's furrowed brows the way they show exhaustion under the eyes is all like like really detailed 
drawing like yeah. that seems like you know oh we have money to spend on face wrinkles <laughs> yeah it's just yeah you you're getting into the details of it and we can do that but can we just for listeners spell out you spell it out i always make you do this just explain pitch explain yeah just what pitch is, castlevania what is, this? what is this what is the show not necessarily the games yet we can get into that later too but what is this show what was this show uh the show is a road trip around like medieval Europe uh, with a vampire hunter, a speaker, which is uh, basically these wizards that deal in oral tradition and pass down histories of uh, the scattered peoples of the world to... Basically, they were books before books existed or in, concurrently with books. It's like there's 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 a scene actually in the second or third season where they kind of like call the entire efficacy and you know pointlessness of uh, the speakers into question because of the massiveness of the Belmont Library. Anyway, there is Trevor Belmont, there is Sypha, and there is Alucard. Those are the three people that are in the car with us for the most part. Um, <laughs> and uh, the threat is. Well, in the beginning, the threat is Dracula, like it is in all the video games, and they give him a reason to be to want to kill the world, which is that um, his wife, his beautiful blonde-haired, blue-eyed wife, who is a woman of science, was killed by the nasty old church, and he's just like, well, all of humanity has to go. And they tried to kill my they wife. They tried to kill my wife. Well, they, did, they, they succeeded they in life. killing my what? Yeah, it's like so. That is the uh, the animus that spurs uh, the first season into action. Um, he gives the people of Earth a year to vacate the land, um, and then he uh, rains down a bunch of terrors of the night on them. Um, and here we are, four seasons later. <laughs> it's what we deserve. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good general outline. I don't know even that we have to, maybe in this top part, we don't even have to go that deep into where the later seasons take it for people who are using this moment, listening to our voices, listening to our initial enthusiasm here and going, mm, maybe I actually do want to go and watch Castlevania. You should, we definitely recommend it, right? For yeah. anybody who wants to be annoying about spoilers or whatever, you can watch watch Castlevania. The short story of this episode is watch it because we liked it. Binge it. It's four seasons, episodes of half an hour for the most part or less, like 26 minutes. You know how it goes. Yeah. Um, you know the vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah. The it's. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. It's baby and gonna. Uh, the, <laughs> so, I mean, I think that we have more or less covered the bare bones of of the story which i mean like are the bare bones as far as i understand it those are the basic narrative assumptions of any castlevania game um is you protagonist against dracula who is peeved and you fight to the end and you kill him and then he's back in the next game so like there's really like this ongoing thing in the later seasons about bringing dracula back from the dead it's a recurring thing right. Can I just say something though, real quick to address a point or to expound upon a point that you raised initially, young brother, which is that 
<laughs> I'm presuming as much about the games because in truth, I've never played the Castlevania games. And I want to say something that like when I grew up, I had this friend, Matt, and he, you know, I had like an SNES or whatever, right? But he really had all the systems. He had the Sega. He had all the Nintendos. He had like the game library. And this is in large part because his dad was a gamer too, right? And we mm-hmm. would play with him. we played with his dad. And to me, it was like, I remember that those are when I got into like Final Fantasy VI, all that stuff. But you have to understand, man, like by the mid 90s or whatever, even Castlevania felt kind of like, I don't know. I think I always perceived Castlevania as a game series for boomers. Cause I always felt like it was really Matt's dad who was all who like knew the deal with Castlevania and like the yeah. NES. I mean, it's definitely not something like I mean, yeah. The first one of these that I touched was like on a next gen console. Like I played the the um, Castlevania game that came out on the PS3. I think it was Castlevania three, uh, but then I didn't even finish it. And then I went at- attempted to go back and play it on the PS4 using the PS streaming service thing because that was the only way that you could play it after the fact but yeah i mean it's not really uh this i I suffice to say that the popularity of this netflix anime series um which i mean like i think is just kind of like unanimously agreed upon as the best video game adaptation is like not really it's just kind of it doesn't make sense that it's as big as it's, it's as successful as it is. Yeah. And we, it, that's on several levels, right? There's the thing I said about it being sort of, again, it's sort of Castlevania and Metroid influential games, but they're also from that. They, it feels like they peaked with the boomers, not with the millennials, frankly. Uh, but it's also, we can acknowledge too, that when we talk about sort of video game adaptations, right? The real fraught stuff is live action. <laughs> and yeah. Castlevania has the advantage of being of an animated being an anime. Yeah. 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 This right. is right. well animated. It's right. You know. Um and then also the the thing that is fraught though, right, is that this is this is one of those international co-production type situations where you're used to you being disappointed. Yeah. Or like yeah. you you sort of you know, those international co-production type shows that are animated, even when they're good, it it feels like they're good and they have a kind of ceiling on how sort of acclaimed they'll ever be or how much they'll ever sort of really get some burn, right? Like even the fact that this show has four seasons. It's not just that Netflix made a Castlevania show. It's that Netflix made four seasons of a Castlevania show. That feels so wild. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I don't know. We're both... I just think, again, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked that I'm in on this show as somebody who never really thought the games were that, like, the, just the, the games just weren't for me. I'm not going to sit here and ride on Castlevania. It's just it, nothing about those games ever felt like it was for me. I was, I was just a JRPG dweeb, not a, you know, platformer dweeb as a kid. Uh, and I don't even mess with vampires like that either. <laughs> I mess with zombies, bro. I'm not here. I'm not with I'm not with the vampires. Uh which all of that is just to say that this episode, even though we're gonna be bullish on Castlevania, just understand that the two of us are not coming at this from the perspective of people who are invested 
in the fidelity in, of the game. Like when or that's not us. like, yeah, it's just that's we don't we don't care that there's no speed metal, you know? We don't we don't <laughs> care about how accurate the the references were to the to the grunts. Uh, the, of 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 yester game that were in the beginning of season four. Yeah, but why? Which is also the thing, though, about even the making of this series, right? Because Warren Ellis writes and directs this series. Warren Ellis is a comic book writer, and he just in interviews straight up is like, "Look, I never played a Castlevania game. I've never even looked <laughs> at the source material for this." You know. Um, and yeah, I noticed that 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 sort of the fact that Warren Ellis himself never played Castlevania. So the, you can read a lot of reviews of the show where critics in the manner that we are doing right now are like, look, I also am a little too not old enough to have really been into Castlevania like that. So I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of especially like video game pods you can go to for people who have more of a discerning sense of how true to the games, whatever that means, this show is. But I get the sense, just reading other reviews of the show, that it's not. Um, and I actually think the show probably benefits from the fact that it does not really take source material, but but so seriously. Um, yeah, because then you'd be in the castle the whole time, you know? You just wouldn't... be in the castle. <laughs> just be in the cage. You'd just, just be in the castle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. You just took the title and you were like, yeah, because I presume you would be in the castle. Well, I mean, like, there would be, you would be spending the bulk of your time in Dracula's castle, right or wrong. Am I right or wrong? Based upon the few Wikipedia entries that you read. <laughs> y'all don't anyway, be in the mall. I'll be in anyway, the mall. Anyway, I don't, be, y'all don't be in the mall. I bought it. I like. I I like it. I'm. I'm not taking it back. <laughs> Be in the castle. I'm so fed up with this podcast. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but, well, suffice to say, but, we're not just in the castle. <laughs> suffice to say, we are not just in the castle, and we don't just have to talk about vampires. There are round and interesting characters of all kinds in the show. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this damn show. <laughs> Listeners of this show, right, will will note that we take different approaches to different kinds of shows and movies. Sometimes we'll go, we'll work through the plot of something, you know, work through the serialization. We're not doing that with Castlevania because the truth, from my perspective, Micah, maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. I think someone going into this show would perhaps be doing a disservice to themselves thinking that they are about to be watching Muv Game of Thrones. Okay. Which which every that. reviewer ever has compared this show to. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I did it when I first wrote about it in 2017. Like, but the, it's it's like, yeah, there's not, it is not a there is barely consistent internal logic uh going yeah. on with with uh whatever it is that this the the plot is about. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's more helpful for for a viewer of this show to go, look, can you keep track of who Dracula is? Great. Can you keep track of who Trevor Alucard are? Great. You sort of are mostly keeping track of characters and their relation to one another. I think all of the stuff about Dracula's revenge and resurrecting people and, and like war I, councils and yeah, plans. I, right. Right. All the sort of vampire political stuff is really just an excuse for there to be palace intrigue like so that there can so that you can have 
like the interactions between like Dracula and Godbrand. Yeah, Godbrand. Are you going to fight me, Godbrand? (laughs) Little Godbrand? Oh, little Godbrand. No? Then why are you still in here making your little noises? (laughs) (laughs) That, the way you, like, palace intrigue, right? This is palace intrigue, the TV show. And again, it's, it's not, like, I'm sure I didn't watch Game of Thrones either. That's, we don't even have to get into that. We hit a hating quotient on the pod recently. I'm a, I'm a chill out. We're not going (laughs) to talk about Game of Thrones, but I'm sure that's a show that has like a lot of plot and a lot of it has a lot of different moving pieces where I think Castlevania is 95% of what is attractive. Well, not 95, because we'll also talk about action in this show. But in terms of the drama of it, yeah, I think just watching two characters at, at any given time interact and talk to each other is the driving force of the show. If we are going to draw a comparison to Game of... If we're going to draw a a comparison to Game of Thrones, I would say that the size of the world feels as, you know, small and contained and as, like, you know, only a handful of locations as, like, the final two seasons of Game of Thrones. But Mm -hmm. the dialogue and the interpersonal connections slash, like, how much fun the writers seem to be having with the various um feuds and relation and like and romantic relationships in the show are like more like the earlier seasons of Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, in terms of like how fun it is to listen to, you know, Carmilla talk to God. like I just like You just God wanna Brand you just wanna a- you wanna quote God Brand some more. Is what I you like is <laughs> of course I like volts. I'm a fucking Viking. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, I it's just Godbrand is just really good comedic relief. Yes. And it, it's okay. I think actually as much as I would talk up the character dynamics in this show, actually I think they might be a little bit divisive, right? Cuz I definitely in reviews of this show I've seen people complain about the voice acting, right? I think specifically for Trevor and Alucard, right? And especially Alucard. It's just like oh God uh, shits in God shits in my dinner once again. Um, <laughs> oh God, I think I am losing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'm turning into Belmont. It's just I, like very soft voice acting. It's two kinds of people is in the world. It's people who think that Alucard's voice actor is terrible and think that Alucard's voice actor is the best thing about this show. Because yeah, it is that wild. I think that I I think that's the deal, right? Is that you kind of have to you can't you don't want to ham it up the whole time. Everybody can't be Godbrand, right? Or Camilla. Right, like, right, they can't. right, right. And like, you just look at the world of Castlevania, everything looks so, you know, is is that is that edgy, it's cloudy, very splashy. Dark. It's very it's a vampire like right. yeah, it's it's very splashy and angular and like there's a lot of flashes of light and color. Like there's something in the show needs to be muted. It's just that like <laughs> It's you have to turn the volume up so high to get any of the to get like, you know, even 85 percent of the dialogue. And then you're getting your ears blown out when, uh you know, Trevor uses the Morningstar whiff and there's an explosion like it's. Yeah. Yeah. 
by design, right? So much of the world of this show is muted and re repressed, right? And I don't know. I just, I feel like that the voice acting style that a lot of the men who aren't God brand bring to the, bring to the show, it just works a lot, especially because, yeah, I, I think the tension in Castlevania is that it has that grim vibe, but also it's very splashy, right? Like, I think the, the language of the action, right, and the animation of the show has to be kind of balanced against something. Yeah. Or else this turns into a, like a shonen anime, right? And Castlevania can't really be a shonen anime. So you do need something that makes it all feel a bit more morose and grounded. And I think whenever you have Alucard on screen doing his deadest of deadpan... <laughs> Every every line of his dialogue is preceded by a heavy sigh. Like there's there's just so much ex like there's just so much exhaustion in everything that Trevor Alucard, Dracula, like it's they all kind of like had the same sort of uh the same sort of stoicism going on, except you know yeah. like Trevor is drunker. Yeah, although, you know, the word I'd maybe use is half dead, which is so, you know what I mean? It's like you have a character like Alucard. Yeah, I mean, is, they all, like, it's it's Alucard and Dracula both live in the, like, you know, they both live in the castle, quote unquote, because it's the closest they can get to death without dying. And, you know, Trevor more or less lives his life the same way, um, you know, getting... And uh, risking life and limb on a regular basis to fight, you know, gnarling, slashing monsters and also then drinking himself to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something weirdly peaceful about it, especially when you have Isaac in the mix. So I think Isaac also brings that kind of serene Kaoru style voice acting. But I think with him, I, I don't know. How would you describe Isaac? Whenever he talks, I feel weirdly at ease. Isaac is <laughs> the only man with a code in the show, it feels like. Or like it's it's kind of like his adherence to it gives him such clarity like that. And I mean, like allows for like such evolution. Yeah, like um, clarity is his whole thing. Like you know the whole yeah. speech in uh, which season is it where he sits down and he's like, "Would you like a berry? Yeah. <laughs> would you like a berry? I do not think a berry would kill you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like intellectualizing constantly, which is which is a thing the show does, uh, lot, right? Another peaceful dream that died in its sleep. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like all this stuff sounds like a beautiful like night. Yeah, it's he's it's like it is crazy how calming so much of Isaac's dialogue becomes in the latter seasons because he enters the scene in his leisure time flagellating himself with a like yeah. with a spiked leather uh whip pad thing. Like Yeah, can you set up a bit who Isaac is in this story? Isaac is one of Dracula, one of Dracula's two human emissaries. Uh, he's a forge master, which means that he can convert uh, 
um, dead material into living material, mainly bodies into new night creatures, which are, you know, the words we use instead of demons. Um, he had, I mean, like, I guess he was like a, like a slave slash cabin boy slash servant to uh, i'll go with slave i mean i feel like it's most clearly slave yeah, i mean yeah it's, 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 it's most clearly his master slave. is not yeah, yeah yeah doesn't matter yeah i mean like his master was a white guy it doesn't really matter that he was like you know a knight of the templar um so isaac's hatred for humanity comes from a very understandable place um but comes to find in the final season that rather than enact his revenge on the entire world like Dracula, he'd rather find a way to live and be happy. Which, uh, you know, I liked that arc. I thought it was, I, I've, it's my favorite one in the whole show. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, again, when I talk through the plot of this series in my head, and I don't necessarily think it's we still do it here. like it's, it, it's really so- like it's impossible not to sound crazy. And it's like it's not like you can capably explain what it is that Isaac's doing for seasons three and four. Um, you know, actually, it's probably simplest to explain Isaac's like progression as like having a species of power conferred to him by being on Dracula's court. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then. After, uh, after like the dissolution of Dracula's court, when Carmilla betrays everybody, tries to take over the castle, it doesn't work out. He develops his own power, uh, or amasses, spends the next like season and a half amassing his own power, and then like in the final season, he figures out what he wants to do with it, um. Rather than just to wield it all over the place and bump it into things and, you know, take over everything like like Carmilla wants to do. Yeah. And I do feel like the broad thematic stroke of a lot of characters in, in this show is characters not knowing what to do with their own power. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And if you try to get more specific about the plot than that you just end up sounding like a frothing weeb or something because it's just, it doesn't matter that much. (laughs) All that matters is sort of how these characters interact with the whole notion of, of power. Um, I don't know. That's my take on the series is that you really don't need to overthink the actual core storyline that much in any given season to understand that much. Right. Cause it's just that I, I think this is the power of the performances, right? Of the voice performances, right? Is that these characters all just have really wildly different dispositions, right? And so sometimes you can watch this show and you can listen to characters go on what are sometimes philosophical tangents, what are sometimes just deeply personal tangents, right? And you can think, God, why is this show written in a way that feels like it gets away from the idea of a story or like moving the plot along. Why do so many of these conversations feel like they're two people bantering and not like two people explaining to you in this episode of Castlevania, this is what is going to drive the action, right? But yeah. I think I think that that's good actually, right? Because all of the work of the writing in this show is really just saying like, 
what are these characters with these dispositions like what are their different attitudes about power and about happiness and that's and, it like that's the whole yeah. show and allow opinion. like and allowing that to guide them through or like you know their convictions around that to guide them through what would what would be the plot you know <laughs> yeah it's just like it's it's you know because there's all sorts of shit in there but like they the, the characters do things that it seems that they want to do like uh, they they make believable choices based upon um, their established dispositions, like we were just saying. Yeah, there's a real expressiveness to that, even though it's not, I, I think, strictly instructive of what's going on all the time. And I don't even think it's just the writing of the show. One thing that is really tremendously great and frankly surprising about Netflix's Castlevania is how well it is animated. Um, the I think for one, right, I think with a lot of, American or like Western driven animation projects, right? The complaint is always sort of that Japanese animation is more naturalistic, right? There's more detail. There's more detail in how the character designs are uh, not only drawn, but then animated, right? So both, you know, in the face, right? There's just more detail than there would be with like a Western character style. And in how characters move through the world, there's more of a sense of texture to their clothing and stuff like that, right? Um, and I think Castlevania just has this incredibly expressive animation, especially in like battle sequences in a way that I just don't know, even in anime, right? Even if you took like Shonen stuff, I think, I think Castlevania is even better than a lot of modern Shonen stuff at like when characters are fighting in this show, there's a real sense of injury. There's a real sense of like, I don't know if you've ever fought, you know that fighting is a lot more exhausting than a lot of entertainment makes it look. And it's a lot more like you, mm, you, you yeah. slow down a lot sooner than, than like face off will make you, th you know what I mean? If you're fighting somebody, you get 20 seconds. I guess if you watch boxing, you get this right. But you get 20 seconds into fighting somebody, you get a little tired. You get hit in the ribs twice. It's, you don't, yeah, you you're know losing, what I mean? You, yeah, you, you're losing air. Like it's like these are all air. things yeah. that like that cut down on your oxygen supply. Therefore, your muscles cannot replenish themselves. Yeah. Therefore, you, get you are dizzy. getting yeah, you get tired and you get dizzy and you can't move as you can't move as well. It's like um the show gets that. Like the people yeah. animating the show get that. They get the they get the idea and it feels so lost on a lot of action animation. They get the idea that it is hard to, even if your characters are super powered, even if they're vampires, even if they're monster hunters, right? Part of the tension of something like a fight sequence has to come at some point from the idea that, you know, these people can actually get hurt. There are actual stakes in this. And in every single fight scene, first of all, it's the fact that no one fight scene in any of the seasons of Castlevania feels like any other fight scene in the show. But it's also just, you know, you're always watching. Even when these characters are being badasses, you know, at any moment, like, yeah, they could get sliced through the rib. They could lose. They could catch an L. Like, there is a real sense of weight and impact in a way that I'm just not used to seeing even in like anime, I think that's the thing I really love about Castlevania. I'd say especially in seasons like two and four. I think the fights are maybe the best in season two, and four also has some good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, four 
four, like I was saying before, is just kind of like four is like, all right, we got the bag to throw at this and we're putting capes and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, four looks four is like as fluid as and as expressive as the like, aha, take on me video. Like it's crazy. <laughs> like it's crazy. Like the, 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 the action uh, set piece between Carmilla and Isaac in like a throne room that is in a pool of blood. Like, um, I, yeah, it's just like they, they are having themselves a ball. Uh, uh, oh man, I don't think about the Isaac Camilla. That shit is fire. Bro. What is the line she says at the end? She says like, you don't deserve. My- oh, yeah, oh, you, you don't, don't deserve-, deserve my blood. <laughs> you don't deserve my blood. <laughs> Show I'm out, man. <laughs> Let me fuck that bitch. I'll buy a new one. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> that is exactly like Carmilla's energy. Um, uh, I think I think in addition to the fact that the like the fight grammar, the fight choreography of this show is so nuts and so again, it's so weighted, it's so real. It's also that the characters have this this pretty wide variety of expressiveness in how they fight. And I think my favorite fighter in the show probably would be Alucard. Um, and like, you know, Alucard has a sword a lot of time. He uses the sword a lot like a boomerang. There's a lot of times where he sort of th- throws the sword off screen and it sort of impales someone and it just sort of boomerangs back to him. Yeah, it's um, like a giant, like it's a broad sword that is made like a rapier. Um, yeah. Uh yeah. And he's very light on his feet. He's like the And he controls it with his mind. <laughs> right. And then but then you have a character like Cypher who feels like man she has it all, right? She's she's basically sub zero and also Ryu from Street Fighter. You know what I mean? She's throwing her. And also like and also ice. Raiden. She's got yeah, like, she, she Raiden. becomes Raiden at the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah, she just, got her got, little electrics. Yeah, and she gets the most, like, oh, man, which I think it has to be season two, the one where she's she's doing a one-on-one fight, and she, what is it? She summons, like, a sheet of ice, and the guy backflips on top of the sheet, because she's trying to, like, repel the guy away from her, and he, like, tries to walk sort of on the razor edge of the ice, and then she just flips and it then so she that it flips, flips his body in half. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, like, it, she made, like, a giant, like, uh slate of plate glass yeah. out of, and then use it to yeah then use it to lobotomize and the dude, dude thought he was being clever by walking on, on the razor edge of it and so she's like nah fuck this it just slices him through the front of his face it's gruesome and then there's uh, also Isaac I like it's just Isaac's fight style is so like regal and upright yeah. like I Love it. When animators like have like a, where they, you know, make this sort of fighting style where the person is fighting with their hands behind their back, standing upright, like they're in complete control of the situation at all times. I was thinking about this minor villain named Cobra and a little show called Young Justice who catches (laughs) at one point Robin's uh, lead kick with one hand after he pulls off his cloak and he goes, Oh, I thought you didn't like to get your hands dirty like a little, you know, like the preteen he is. Cover goes, sometimes even a god must stoop to conquer. <laughs> and then like he tries to he tries to get at him again. Again, he's only using his left hand at this point. He's just kind of like, what's the matter, boy? You look disconcerted. 
And it's like, I always think about that when I see that now. I, I think the thing that the regality that you're talking about with Isaac is what's so gratifying about that final Carmilla versus Isaac fight because Carmilla is the opposite of that. Carmilla is the Carmilla's, messiest person on the whole show. I mean, she rolled like she rolled out of bed to a siege, you know? Yeah, like, but she also like she, starts to, you, she has the energy of like somebody taking their earrings out <laughs> to get it cracking <laughs> on the sidewalk. <laughs> when she starts like, I bet. I bet. Nah, I bet. You're not about to come around here. <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? She, she had said the Sharkeisha energy. <laughs> Carmilla had the Sharkeisha energy <laughs> for Isaac. But that but that's sort of what I mean, right? Is that that stuff is easy to look at with like action-driven shows and be like, okay, people like this because they like to watch people fight. I think the thing Castlevania, especially by the end, succeeds at is making you feel a real sense of, damn, when you're watching these characters fight, you are getting to know them. When yes. you watch them go on yeah. these weird tangents about love, or about turning people into boats. Like, you're getting to know these characters. And I think by the end, that that getting to know the characters is so much more important than telling you a story about Dracula. And I think... I think and we still don't know the what that is yeah. even about. Like, at the end of four seasons, you don't even know how Dracula really fits into the story for real, for real. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it it is more of a, like we were saying, just kind of, it's, it is the, it is the character driven superhero show that we've been talking about, like in, in theory for like however many times we talk about this. Yeah. It's not impossible to make. They did it. They did it with an IP that again, I had no, I had no confidence. I've just never cared about Castlevania. I didn't really, I remember when I first gave this show a shot, like right when, the first season went to Netflix and I watched it super passively. I was just like, oh, this is actually kind of tight. I don't know. And then, yeah, watching season two, I was just like, oh, no, they they they're working with something here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Was it was it before or after the you're a cock ward a la carte line? <laughs> you're a cock ward. Yeah. <laughs> um, it might have been the turning people into boats. The I'm a fucking Viking. Of course. I <laughs> might have been Godbrand. I think Godbrand yeah, is the it, character that makes you sit up and pay attention sometimes with this show. Um, yeah, I I would like to see more stuff with this kind of energy, with, more, with Carmela energy. And maybe we could talk about that. Like, I think the general state of adaptation, especially with Netflix, right? Because Netflix is juggling a lot of different kinds of interactions with weeb culture including castlevania but let's let's talk about that i guess this episode is brought to you by lululemon guys if you're ready for a new pair of pants try one of lululemon's abc pants they're made to make you look and feel good and there's lots of different styles to choose from my favorite because i walk around la every day i like the joggers i'm not jogging i'm just walking fast but if you're working out i would try them out and if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. 
With the Power's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um... We should we should note that like Warren Warren Ellis stepped a, away in like whatever that means he he stepped it's away the, from it this because Sam Dietz directed seasons three and four right um like Warren Ellis stepped away he's he's facing like a series of sexual coercion allegations basically and it's obviously like that's awful to hear and there's a lot of there's a lot of ambiguity about his writing role, especially in the fourth season, right? Cause he gets the credit of created by, um, and it's, but otherwise I think there's disagreement as to whether the scripts that he wrote for the fourth season were just sort of incorporated as is, or whether they were sort of, you know, replaced to some degree. I don't know. I think season four kind of just how the characters sound. It sounds like the other seasons of the show. It doesn't feel like there's a notable writing change. So maybe you know, I mean, I, it sounds like he wrote all the seasons of the show. I just know that that's something we should address just because it's a huge point of conversation online about the show, definitely. Um, and it's also, I think, speculation as to why this season is the final season and whether it's sort of like, you know, Warren Ellis is just too toxic to keep leading like this thing into a fifth season. Um, I don't know. I don't know about all of that. I do know that Castlevania as a Netflix thing is it feels like one of several pieces of Netflix's attempt to get good at adapting like weeb shit <laughs> like anime and video games or Japanese yeah. video games, I should say. Right. Um, and this is definitely one of the best things they've done in that regard. And the fact that I think, you know, the two of us are so impressed with it, it, it gets me thinking a lot about why adaptations do and don't work. Because this show, I think, made a lot of decisions that I think you were hitting at this when we were comparing it to superhero stuff. Like, it makes the kind of decisions that I wish more things would make. And it overcomes a lot of like just the fact that so much of how Castlevania like to a fault, right? Castlevania is written with such an attentiveness to one-on-one -on -one character dynamics and character drama. And can I just say that I, I think a I think a shortcoming of a lot of stuff that it is most likely to be adapted into animation or be adapted from animation into live action stuff. A lot of it is lore heavy, right? And I, I watch a lot of stuff and end up feeling like the thing that tanks it, like Mortal Kombat is a, a great example, right? That was a live 
action thing that we watched recently, right? The Mortal Kombat movie. And I think part of what was so successful about that for the first two thirds of that movie is that it kind of said, look, the lore of Mortal Kombat is a problem. Mortal Kombat's not Japanese, by the way. It is that is a Western fighting game. But let's just talk about this for a second because I can unpack this idea. Mm-hmm. They they took all the annoying lore stuff in Mortal Kombat or Nether Realm, Earth. Screw that. They took all of that and said, you know what? We need to get Sonya Blade and Kano. And you know, we need to get these characters together into rooms and have them talk to each other and have them bounce off of each other and have them develop a rapport. Right. And if you like, if you focus on that as your core task, then right, once you just create a sort of natural rhythms and natural passion between these characters, then you can start to gradually build on top of that all of your contrivances and all of your lore. All and of all your of, outer world and, yeah. you know, all this uh, infinite corridor and all this other stuff. Like, it's, right. But, but you, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's taking, like, the very, the most, basic premise of what you actually do when playing the video game and using that as the like the most stringent like guidelines for like how the movie will proceed like through the you know from beginning to end and within that just having besides having to hit those few beats having the characters do what they would normally do uh, with their background and motivations and, um, you know, convictions. Yes. That, to me, is the correct order of operations. And that is, I think, following that order of operations, right? Starting with the character stuff, starting with the rapport, and then once you have that strong foundation, then being like, okay, now I'm going to tell you a really convoluted story about Dracula or about you know, the the tournament or about whatever, whatever. And then allowing your characters to have sex every once in a while since you're going to yeah. put them through such awful... Th- you're going to put them through all this awful shit and you're not going to let them at least get laid once or twice? Hell yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to think, like, what is the, what are the things that are the starkest contrast with that kind of approach that you can think of in recent years? Because, like... I don't know. You know what I think of maybe the, the Assassin's Creed movie. The you know uh, I watched that. I had not watched. No, but explain it. Explain it. I also have never played Assassin's Creed. Those games look like homework. After that, it is the, exactly the movie was the same. And I mean, like it was also kind of just really dimly shot. Like I mean, like it has the Syriana filter all over it, but like mm-hmm. you know, up to the tenth power. Uh, so it's like everything is amber and you can barely see anything. Not even what like there's a, I, I remember distinctly that there is a very cool bank shot with an arrow on like, you know, in the very tight framing of like a minaret. Like it's it's like he banks an arrow in a close quarters combat thing with three people off of the wall and you'll miss it if you are not if you don't have the brightness of your TV turned up. Um, so anyway, but I think the actual issue with the Assassin's Creed movie was that it goes too deep into the lore of Assassin's Creed, which is nonsense. Like- yeah, it, it, and it doesn't even have to be super lore. Like one thing I think about maybe is the 
the Netflix live adaptation of Death Note, right? Because to me, a huge problem with that uh, one, it's that's a movie, right? So you can you're already condensing a TV show, so maybe that's one disadvantage that has nothing to do about you know weeb fidelity, right? But to me, a thing about that that movie was that it it felt like the movie wanted you to be invested in the idea of catching light, right? Of catching light. I mean, it's like, no, the, the, the good part. So the first half of death note, right? The thing about that is that it's about the character dynamic between light and L. Like, it's just about that character dynamic. It's about it's supposed their... to be a soap. Yeah. It's supposed to be like this really like serpentine, uh, kind of a little gay, a little, uh, like, of kind of having the the weird uh, like admiration for each other that's a little yeah. bit indistinguishable for love like it's like that all of that is supposed to be is like again the intrigue between the two characters is the point of the show not like whether or not like succeeds and becoming god yeah and the plot might be the pretext for all of that but you watch those episodes of the original death note for the dynamic you know, I take a potato chip and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> right, but that's what you want to see. You want to see. You want to see that those. You want to see those big beats of personality, and that's all I feel like I ever want from animated or live action things that have anything to do with weeb culture. The things that we talk about in this podcast, right, is a sense of of personality. Um. And I feel like Net, I feel like Castlevania had personality, man. And that's all I wanted. The fact that the plot yeah, is sort man. of gibberish to me, I forget. It's okay. It. Like, you know? never let it be seen. Because again, it's easy to listen to this podcast and think that we are just doing, that we're the, the fucking Ratatouille guy. You know, <laughs> we're just like setting impossible standards, right? No. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, and that's not what it is about, man. It's It's just that. You want some personality and you can forgive it. That's the thing. It's like when you succeed on the levels that Castlevania did, uh, like I remember I was reading a review on like the anime news network and uh, I think of the fourth season and, and yeah, I agree with a lot of that critics points about, you know, how the anime, how the voice acting doesn't necessarily always work and how the writing does kind of feel like it gets really tangential even in episodes where you really do want to feel like you're hurtling toward a conclusion. And it's not that I disagreed with that review at all, but to me, I have this sense of like, yeah, even as a hater, even as a hating ass hater critic who comes on here and hates six days out of seven, right? It's when the show does, when something like Castlevania does the things it does right, that's when I find the grace in my heart and I can forgive a lot of the other stuff that again, if fans write us in being like, nah, I didn't like how X, Y, or Z like, it's not that I'll disagree, but it's just, I, I could forgive a lot of stuff with this show. Yeah, I mean, like it's, there is having a group of characters that like are actually a good hang goes a long way to like goes, just goes a long way in general. Like you can forget, like it's like, you can forgive a lot of things if these are people that you would theoretically want to spend time around, just like on a base level. Yeah. Not like about whether or not you want to see them accomplish anything or win anything, whether you feel bad about they, them losing anything, but just 
them being interesting and you wanting to know what happens with them from one moment to next, you forgive a lot. Yeah, and that's even if you're lying to yourself about wanting to because real rap, you it's easy to watch the show and be like, oh man, I want to kick it with God brand. But you know, if in real life you were kicking it with him, I mean, you, like you know, you, you know, you know <laughs> what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, yeah. like it's like it's, you, it's you I'm really talking about a time I, like a hangout with a readers removed, like from from my couch, you know, to the TV, not like in <laughs> in real person. Like yeah, a, it's like that meme of the kid hanging out with the pocket is like what listening to a podcast feels like. It's the yeah, kid it's hanging just out like with the picture. God brand, man. It's just, yeah. you know, I I hate to be like this, but I just have so many friends and there's no way that I could make any new ones until one of them dies. So, you know. <laughs> oh my God. Um listeners, email us about Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one about of the, Castlevania. No, please. but this is one of the. This is like uh, some so many of the things we've talked about recently too are things that people have been emailing us about. I don't know that we've really gotten emails about Castlevania, so I am I'm curious whether listeners of this pod have been watching watching the series. Um, I'm hot on it. You're hot on it. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, we'll do a mailbag soon. If you if you don't and by somebody pointed this out, if you don't want your name read or anything when you email us, we're happy to honor that. Just sort of dictate the t- if you know we're doing a mailbag episode soon. Write in, but also dictate the terms in which you want to participate in the mailbag. If you do or don't, we are soundonlypod at gmail.com. Micah, is there anything else? Uh no, I mean like, you know. Do the do the whole thing. Say what name you want to have. Have your walk up song, like you know, like the NBA draftees do. Yeah, but anyway, email us uh, about anything, but also about Castlevania, but about anything, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, like this. That's that's all I got. Well, with that said, I'm Justin Charity, and I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer Erica Cervantes. We will see y'all next week.